Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Elia Harris. Elia is Chief Innovation Coach at the Potential Center. She gets leaders and teams out of habitual thinking, so they come up with creative solutions they didn't see before. Elia has been an international organization development consultant for over 10 years, focusing on leadership, communication, and creative problem-solving skills. She now specializes in coaching and training managers, demystifying creative thinking and innovation because organizations need to solve sticky problems faster than ever. Her light bulb thinking, her trademarked light bulb thinking framework is designed to quickly get teams thinking creatively, build stronger leaders, and create a culture of innovation. I am so excited to welcome you to the show today. Welcome, Elia. Thank you, Angel. It's lovely to be here. Beautiful. Well, let's talk, let's begin our conversation, Elia, in the realm of creativity. Were you somebody who was always creative? Were you like a creative child? Or did the creativity piece come later for you? There are two ways of answering that. On the one hand, yes, I think that I was creative. My mother was a musician, and I also became a musician. So I had my creativity in that area. My dad was creative in the visual arts, which he tried to get me into. And I said, no, no, no. So I did have some creative outlets in that way. Having said that, creative thinking is a whole different matter from being creative in the arts, say, as I was just suggesting. That part really didn't come to me until I was a manager myself and I was struggling, um, you know, with coming up with new ideas and my managers were putting pressure on me and I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way of doing this. So I'm a self-taught person in a lot of ways and I set out to learn about creative problem solving. And what I discovered was that there were a lot of courses and books that talk about leadership training. There were a lot of courses and books that talked about creative problem solving, but there was nothing that brought the two together. And at the end of the day, it's going to be a manager who leads that process of creative problem solving because nobody else is going to lead it. And so that when I realized that there was nothing that combined the two, I thought, okay, this is the way I'm going to do it. So I put it into practice for myself and I was getting all kinds of fabulous results. And I thought, hey, I'm onto something. Let's see if it will work with other people. And that's what got me into doing the, you know, some of the organization development work around creative problem solving. 
Beautiful. So you've been doing this work for 10 years as a consultant, but you were a manager yourself. So let's talk about like, what kind of work did you do before you stepped into self-employment? So I was in the nonprofit sector at the time, and my position was director of development, which is basically fundraising, supporter management, things like that. And it's a crucial part of a nonprofit organization. If the money's not coming in, then the doors will eventually close. Mm. Right. And so what inspired you to leave? Like, what was the, was there like a defining moment where you said, oh, I'm complete here. You know, one of the things our listeners, we have listeners at varying stages in their careers all over the world. And a lot of our guests have liberated themselves from <laughs> from a more corporate or, you know, institutional type of structure. So can you talk a little bit about for you what that journey was like and whether or not you actually employed creative thinking in making that decision? Yeah. Again, two parts to this answer. One was that through the leadership training that I went through, I realized I actually had good leadership skills. So that was reaffirming. And I also realized that I wanted to learn more about creative problem solving. So I went out and I learned about it. And during that process, I thought, hey, I want to teach this one day. And so I started taking courses. This is while I was still employed full time. I started taking courses on, you know, how to do training, how to facilitate so that I would be ready when I was going to step into those shoes for taking on that activity. And I think this is the way, you know, a good number of people make their next move. They figure they're not going to be in their current position forever. They train themselves in one way or another where they get mentorship. And then, you know, when they feel ready to move, they make that move. The thing that tipped it for me at that point in time was that I was liberated. So (laughs) I was fired from a job and the executive director said, well, you've been talking about going into training. So, you know, maybe this is the time for you to do that. The firing had nothing to do with my ability. It was a bunch of other different factors. So at least he was supporting me morally in that way. Mm, Beautiful. I love that. Well, you know, we call it firing, but oftentimes it's the fire. It's the sun that ignites the seed and germinates the seed so that it grows. So so we'll be okay with firing. I love that you call it liberated. (laughs) I got liberated from my job. Excellent. So when you got liberated from your job, let's talk about the creative thinking that you needed to do in that liberation process. Yeah. There were different aspects, like what kind of training did I want to do and in what format? And I, at the time, because this is some decades ago when I started doing this, technology was very different. And the way to go was live training. You know, there was there was no virtual training at the time. So I got my feet wet doing live training. But in the process, you know, I was thinking about what other formats can I use to get training across? And interestingly enough, one of the jobs that I had, which I call my sabbatical, 
was really excellent at helping me think differently and helping me see how creative problem solving could be applied in real life. And that was by teaching English in a foreign country. It was immersion training, immersion training for the students. You know, I only spoke in English. I didn't know Spanish anyway, so that wasn't going to help. But the challenge there was how do you get concepts across if you cannot speak in the learner's native language? Mm. So there was a lot of experimentation. And I, I took that experimentation with me as I move forward into doing other training. And in fact, right now, I'm actually working with another trainer We are both fascinated with different types of training, and we want to put together a format of training that's innovative. Mm. So, you know, even to this day, the amount of experience that I have, I'm still looking for creative ways of delivering training. Mm, Beautiful. Well, and, you know, one of the things that training is meant to do is to sort of break down the box, right? We talk about thinking outside the box. Training is designed, the best training is designed to break down the box. So I'm curious when you are training people, what are some of the things that you either do in your, your own body of work with your framework or that you notice needs to happen in order to help people, you know, the teams and the companies and the executives and whoever it is that you're training to be willing to let go? That's a great question. It comes down to mindset. And in fact, mindset is not quite the right word to describe what people actually go through, because it's down to how the brain works. And the number of people that I talk to who say, I'm not creative, you know, it's it's astonishing. And when I talk to them and I find out, yes, they're creative in the way they cook or they're creative in the way that they dress or how they use their words, there are different types of creativity. And also the interesting thing that a lot of people don't understand is that the brain is involved here because the brain's primary purpose is to keep us safe. Mm. And as ridiculous as it sounds, even a new idea can threaten the brain to the point it goes into fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. So one of the very first things that I do when I'm working with people is to describe to them how the brain works, that we get into these ruts of thinking, this habitual thinking, because it's safe Mm. and it's okay to step out of the box and think in a different way. And that's why all these weird brainstorming exercises exist, because we just need to take the brain by the hand and say, it's okay, and here's what we're going to do. And we do it in a safe environment. And part of that safe environment is that whoever's facilitating actually makes it safe for people to contribute ideas. We've all been in those situations where you know people are giving their ideas and we hold back because we don't want to appear to be stupid. But when it comes to coming up with new ideas, sometimes the crazier, the the more unrealistic the idea, the better outcome you will actually get because you're stretching the way the brain works. You're stepping outside the box. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. 
All right. So I'm thinking that we're going to go to break right now, because if I ask you one more question, we're going to go over. So I want to make sure that we honor our people's time here. And we're going to we're going to do that. We're going to go to break. But when we come back from the break, we're going to tell people where they can find out more about you and uh, about your potential center, as well as we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to go deeper into your light bulb thinking framework. But for now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you are enjoying this show, please consider joining our community, making a donation at wickedlysmartwomen.com, and sharing with your lovely lady friends that might benefit from our content. Help gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I am so grateful to celebrate that we have now started downloading in 110 countries. We just welcomed Iraq and Armenia and Antigua and Barbuda. And so we're really excited about that. And we are welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Seattle, where Elliot is, and uh, also to our new countries, Iraq, Armenia, and Antigua Barbuda. We will be right back with Elia Harris. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Elia Harris. You can find out more about her and her work, her light bulb thinking framework at thepotentialcenter.com. And so, Elia, when they get to that website, what are they going to discover? They'll get a little bit of my philosophy around why we need to be doing more creative problem solving. And I think everybody intuitively understands that we've been through so much change. Things, you know, haven't settled down yet. Change is happening faster than ever. And it's really hard for businesses, nonprofits, government agencies to set themselves apart So one of the easiest ways of doing that and in the process building leadership skills is by incorporating creative problem solving when there are challenges and opportunities. They'll also learn about, you mentioned the light bulb thinking framework. So there's some information there about that. There's information about the the coaching and the training that I do as well. Excellent. Well, you did mention, you know, we are in a time where change is faster than ever. So you know, we have this people stuck in a rut and change happening faster than ever. (laughs) Ultimately, that creates quite a bit of, you know, shall we call it creative tension. Mm -hmm. So as you are approaching working with teams or corporations or individuals, 
how do you help them to not only, we've already talked about breaking down the walls that say, no, I don't want to go there. How do you help them accept the this accelerated pace? You know, for me, I've, and you as well, we've grown up in a world where things have just been getting faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. Psychologically, at what point is it too fast for everybody? Do you know what I mean? At what point is yes. it too fast? And so how do we kind of harness the power of change and creative thinking without blowing ourselves up individually, corporate-wise, health-wise, all of those things? Yeah, great question. I used to do productivity coaching before I got back into doing this work. And one of the things that I focused on was looking at people's lifetime goals they were so overwhelmed, they didn't know where to start. And I said, okay, you know, what's your ultimate goal? You know, what do you want to have achieved by the time you retire or pass on or whatever? And let's work backwards from that. And that was really helpful for them because it got them to focus on their values and what was really important in their lives. And I do the same with organizations. Every organization has a mission statement. They know what their vision is. What is it that they want to set out to accomplish as an organization and what their values are, you know, what they'll stand for and what they won't stand for and support. So for me, helping organizations get back in touch with their mission, vision, and values is a real touchstone. Because when you identify a problem or an opportunity that you're serving, it's easy to be a squirrel and chase after anything that looks bright. But if you lock into what your mission and vision are and use that as your guide rule to say, is this going to help us achieve our mission and our vision, then it makes it so much easier to make decisions. Mm, beautiful. I love that. So what I'm hearing there, if I'm listening between the words, Elia, is that you foster and create a culture of innovation, but it's a culture of innovation that's not just innovation for innovation's sake, and it's not chasing change, shall, shall we say, but instead is a intentional culture that creates conscious change in alignment with the vision and the values of the organization. Am I hearing that clearly? Absolutely correct. Yeah. Great. So let's in the in the last few minutes that we have here, let's talk a little bit about your light bulb thinking. I love the words light bulb thinking. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us a little bit about how you innovated light bulb thinking. And if you want to share success story that you might have from either an individual client or a corporate client, we'd love to hear that as well. Light bulb thinking came about again through all the research and the learning that I had been doing. And I like to simplify things. So I thought at the fundamental level, what is creative problem solving all about? What are the steps to get there? And I distilled it down to four phases. The first one is planning, which includes identifying the right problem so that you're not wasting time by going down the wrong path. It also includes, you know, who are you going to involve? The second is ideating. This is that fun, juicy part, you know, of doing the brainstorming. The third phase is choosing out of all those ideas. How do you choose the one or the ones that you're going to run with? And then the fourth phase is either 
implementing or innovating. In other words, if at the end of the day, you think you can just go ahead and deliver this product or service with a little bit of extra money or manpower, then go ahead and implement it. If, on the other hand, you think it's worthy of developing as an innovation, then give it the attention it needs to make it a true innovation. Mm, Beautiful. I love it. So let's talk about, you know, a success story. Like what is the kind of organization that can best be served by the work that's being done by the Potential Center and the implementation of light bulb thinking into their way of creating the change that they're intending to create? Sure. I can only talk from experience, which is that it seems the companies, the organizations that are drawn to me are small to medium size organizations, or that it's a discrete team of no more than eight people. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about the leaders facilitating the process, but it's also about the teams working well together. And so you don't want a team of 200 people. That, that's just impossible to work with. A good example is a school that I worked with, a technology college, and they had trouble with students not turning up. And they thought that, you know, they had to come down heavy with rules and all the rest of it. We got them together. And this was the leadership team that I worked with there. They realized that their students were were not getting the support that they needed for their own academic future. And so they were bunking off school. You know, they they couldn't care less. So they changed what they did. They came up with some ideas of how to create a mentorship program for students or and also, you know, how to create more staff time to work with students. So that had a very significant effect on the engagement the, rate. The, the engagement the rate. Engagement of the rate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. All right. Well, so now I kind of want to spiral us back, Elia, because you know, our audience, again, is women around the world who may be stepping into their own business, maybe want to look at you as a role model. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about how you apply your own framework in your own business. Whenever I get stuck on something, for example, I have a number of options open to me to develop my business. And I'm overwhelmed by those options. And as a small business owner, who isn't Mm -hmm. overwhelmed with a number of things that we could be doing? So I stop, I take out a big pad of paper, and I mind map. And I jot down, you know, what are the things that I am doing? What are the things that I could be doing? Where do I need extra resources? Fires me up and what leaves me cold? Doing things like that help me determine where I'm going to outsource work. I am not a social media person, so I outsource that. Or I love writing, but I don't have time to do all the writing that I need to do, so I outsource that. So it's a case of you know planning, knowing where I want to be in the future, which is I want my business to automate itself. 
I know the steps that I need to take to get me to that point of 100% automation. So when I do that mind map, I can immediately cross things off. I'm a very visual person. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps anybody, actually. I always am astonished at how different things sound and look when I speak to somebody or draw it out than when I hear it in my head. Mm -hmm. It's, It's incredible. Yeah, well, we all have multiple different learning styles. And most of us, you know, a lot of us who are visual, we need to see it. We need to see it in that way as well as as hear it and see it in writing. One of the things I loved about what you just said, there's two things I loved about what you just said. One is you stop. So I think that is such an important thing to let our listeners know. If you're spinning, stop. (laughs) Like, don't make decisions when you're in the spin. You don't make decisions when you're in the spin. You've got to stop so that you can get to that stillness, so you can get to that clarity, so that you can actually assess. The other thing I loved what you said was, what fires me up and what leaves me cold? You know, we hear often in interviews like this, what fires you up? What fires you up? What fires you up? And not many people are talking about what leaves you cold. And I love that phrase because I think it's so important for us as business owners, as wickedly smart women to attend to both the hot and the cold, because if you're doing stuff that leaves you cold, you're not going to be satisfied. I actually draw flames and icicles next to the the things so that I can see at a glance what I can ditch. I love (laughs) that. That is so, see, of course you're creative like that, Ellie. You draw icicles (laughs) and little flames. Of course you do. All right. Well, in the last minute that we have, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know, whether they're executives in organizations that might hire you or people who might invite you to come in for a speaking engagement? Is there anything you'd like our listeners to know in the last minute or so that we have? Yeah, I actually have a free live masterclass coming up. It's on September 13th, and it's called How to Generate Your Team's Next Wow Idea. And it's very fast, 45 minutes. You will learn things like how to, you'll learn about light bulb thinking, actually. You'll see how the problem might be the wrong problem. You'll learn two creative thinking tools, which is going to be a lot of fun. And you'll understand what helps individuals feel safe to contribute ideas. So that's that's a good way to get to know more about how I work. And if you happen to miss that one, there's going to be another one coming up on in November. Well, you know, this this is definitely an evergreen show. So people might be listening to this three years from now. So my sense is this is something. I forgot. Yeah, you're going to be offering again and again and again. So for those who miss September or November, if you're listening three Novembers from now, I'm sure that Elliot is going to have that material for you on her website or some some way to access her. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being with me today, Elia. And listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's episode. Go right now to wickedlysmartwomen.com to join our community, share your takeaways, ask questions, or submit guest suggestions. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. 
Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.